0: Good morning, Countryside. You guys doing good today? So great to see all of you. My name is Pastor Marcelo. I'm the online pastor and the youth pastor here. So can you do me a favor and welcome everybody watching online? We love you guys. We're so glad you're here. We're part of our family. Middle schoolers, we love you guys. We're glad you're here. Thank you guys so much. And all of you, Countryside, thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to speak to you all. Thank you for waking up on this Sunday morning to get into God's house We are in a series today called When Mountains Move, and it is all about miracles. How many people in here, by a round of applause, believe that God still does miracles today? (laughs) Amen. It is good to be in a faith-filled church this morning. Last week, we looked at week one, the miracle of deliverance. Pastor Glenn brought the fire talking to us about the authority that we have in Jesus' name to say, listen, no, my kids don't belong to you, devil. I don't belong to you. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You have no authority over me. Who is thankful for Pastor Glenn in hearing that message last week? Man, it got me fired up. Pastor Glenn is actually at our South Tampa satellite location this morning, preaching to them. So it's very exciting for him to be able to meet those congregants. I was able to go there a few weeks ago. It's an amazing church. There's amazing people. And God is going to do something huge in South Tampa. And I'm very, very excited about that. That's where Pastor Glenn is at today. Um, But this morning, I want to ask you guys a question. Has anyone ever prayed something like this? God, If you save me today, I will serve you forever. If you just do this one thing in my life, I will do whatever you want me to do. Maybe you're in a test say, God, would you please help me with this test that I didn't study for at all? If you give me the answers, I'll do anything for you. Or maybe you're in here today and you thought, you know, God... I just doubled the speed limit. Please let me get out of this ticket. Lord, if you save me from this ticket today, I'll do anything you want me to do. For me, I remember I was on a plane to the Bahamas in high school. And, you know, I'm used to flying on, like, big, uh, comfy, like, planes. Like, that's what we're used to. Well, this plane was not that at all. So I'm getting onto this plane from Miami to the Bahamas, and we have to walk out on the tarmac to get on the plane. And we walk... Up to this tiny little plane, I step on, I can barely stand up. I kind of got to crouch down a little bit, find a seat. It's only two rows. And I sit down, I'm like, this does not feel safe at all. Well, what do you know? We get up to altitude and this plane is being tossed around, and like anything I've ever felt before, the turbulence is crazy. The plane is shaking, the, sh- the seats are shaking. There's actually a moment when we're in the air, and all of a sudden we just feel the plane just shoo, and we kind of get that feeling in our stomach like this is not good. The, the pilot's telling us, listen, it's going to be okay. We're just going through some turbulence. People on the plane, I'm not kidding you, people on the plane, grown people are weeping and crying because they're so afraid. That's how intense this plane ride was. And in that moment, I thought, God, if you would get me down to the ground right now, Lord, I will do anything that you want me to do. You see, many of us have prayed something like that, whether jokingly or very seriously. Now. We actually ended up landing, and as soon as that landing gear touched the ground, the whole plane just in applause, just clapping it up, celebrating, because we all thought we were going to die that day. But you see, here's the thing about God, is that God has the power to miraculously save his people, God has the power to protect you and your family from harm in supernatural ways, ways where God literally intervenes on this earth to protect his people. How do we know this? Well, one of the reasons is he tells us plainly. In Psalm chapter 37 verse 39, this is what God does. It says, the Lord rescues the godly. The Lord rescues the godly. Who are the godly? Christians, followers of Jesus. When we give our life to him, he he makes us into the image of his son. He makes us more like Jesus day by day. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. A fortress is a place that you go to when you need safety, when you need to feel secure. A, A place you go to when you feel vulnerable. So you go to this place and you feel like, man, I am safe right now. That is what God is to you. His word says he's a fortress for you in times of trouble. Now, some of us Christians, we have moments in our life where we say, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, God saved me from this thing. He rescued me. He he did a miracle in my life. And one of those times for me uh, was when I was... 16 years old. Now, if you know my testimony, I was not uh, a a strong believer in Jesus. I kind of knew who Jesus was. I followed him sort of, kind of, half in, half out, but I didn't have the right friends. I was around a lot of the wrong type of people, and I remember this one friend, his name was Dean, just for anonymity's sake. So, Dean... He was the kind of kid that your parents tell you, do not hang out with that kid. He was the kind of guy who was constantly in trouble, constantly getting in trouble at school, never going to school, not doing his work. We would actually go uh, to the store, to like a Walmart or something, and I'd be going in to like buy a candy bar or something. All of a sudden, I'd get back to the car, and he just empties his pockets of all the stuff that he stole from this Walmart. I'm like, oh, my goodness. But in my mind, I thought, you know, well, if he's at this Walmart and stealing, you know, if he gets caught, that's on him. But I'm not doing that, so I won't get in trouble. Well, that is not the case at all. And I found that out very soon. So a little time passed, and Dean asked me to hang out after school one day. And I said I can't for whatever reason. Can't remember the reason, but it was like, out of the blue, just could not hang out with him. So he hits up uh, another one of our friends named Colin. Colin. Now, Colin was the opposite of Dean. Colin was like the goody two-shoes, always did the right thing, got great grades in school. He was the type of kid that if he got a 98% on a math test, he was upset because he should have got 100, like, like that type of kid, like never did anything wrong. Well... Dean asks Colin to hang out, so Colin does. They go to Walmart, and what do you know? Dean decides he wants to steal a car stereo system. So he tries to, I know, it's like, dude, how are you going to do that? Well, he tries to steal this car stereo system, and what do you know? He gets caught trying to steal this thing. Now, here's the thing. Colin was in the store with him, and they both faced charges because of it. It wasn't just Dean that got in trouble, but Colin also had to go to court and and try to fight his case because he was with Dean when they did it. Now, thank God I did not go to Walmart that day with him. And from that day, I learned that this verse is so true. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You see, God protected me to teach me something. And from that day, I didn't hang out with Dean as much. Now, what about my other friend, Colin? You know, he was a believer in Jesus, probably a stronger believer than me at that time. You know, he, he wasn't protected by God. God didn't protect Colin from that situation. He wasn't stealing anything, yet he still faced a punishment. You see, God loved Colin just as much as he loved me. But why didn't he protect him? Why did God protect me and not him? Now today, what I want to do is I want to explore the tension between a God who does save, who has the power to miraculously protect you from harm, and sometimes doesn't do so in the ways that we expect him to. But in your notes, this is our big idea. Long before you face a problem... God already has a plan. Long before you go through that thing, through that problem, God already has a plan to deliver you and to protect you. That's what we have to know without a shadow of a doubt. We see this. How do we know this is true? Well, Time and time again in the Bible, when God's people go through difficult situations, which they go through plenty, God always has a plan to protect them and bring good in the end of it. We see when, when the Lord, he, he flooded the earth, right, long before this happened, he told Noah, listen, man, build a boat, and God rescued him. Long before Jonah was thrown overboard into the sea, God had already planned to send a fish to rescue him and to save his life, And this is my favorite one. Long before Jesus was nailed to the cross, beaten and whipped for your sins and for mine, God already had a plan to raise him on the third day for the forgiveness of sins, yours and mine. You see, that's what God does. He has a plan. Long before you found out that bad news about your health, God already has a plan for you. Long before you lost your job, God already has a plan for you. Long before that girlfriend or, boy, or boyfriend broke your heart, God already has a plan to turn it around for your good. Because God is a God who has the power to miraculously save we see in the Bible, God has the power to commission angels to protect you and to your family, to fight the spiritual battle for you. God has the power to shut the mouths of lions like that young girl talked about the miracle in Daniel's life. God has the power to save you from a raging storm. God has the power to keep me from hanging out with my bad friends in high school. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. In today's message We're gonna talk about the miracle of protection, the miracle of protection. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray in today? Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to speak to your people, God. I ask right now, Lord, that you would anoint every word that I'm about to say with your Holy Spirit, that you would anoint every heart that is ready to receive from you today, God. Turn our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh open us up to listen to what you have to say to us today and let it change our lives forever. We trust you and we know you have the power to save in Jesus name. Amen. So we're going to pick up our story today in Acts chapter 16. So if you have a Bible, you can grab it out. If not, we have got a big sky Bible behind me, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 16 and before we hop in, I just want to give a little context for what's happening here. So Uh, The Apostle Paul and Silas, they're out spreading the gospel. They're going from town to town to different nations, building churches, telling people about Jesus. And in this specific town they were in, there was a slave girl there who had a spirit of divination living inside of her. The Bible says that she had the ability to tell people's fortunes. And she was making her owners very rich through this spirit, making them money by telling people's fortunes. Well, you see, Paul and Silas were walking through the town, and this spirit and this girl kept following wherever they went, yelling at them, yelling, these are servants of God, these are servants of God. And the Bible says that Paul got so annoyed, literally it says this, Paul was so greatly annoyed with this girl who's following him day after day, he said, get out of her in Jesus' name. Boom, the spirit left, and she also lost that ability to tell the future. Now, we think of that say like, man, that's a miracle. God is good. He he protected this girl. Well, her owners didn't feel that way. They were upset. They weren't making that money anymore. She had lost that ability. So what did they do? They were rich, influential men in the town. So they stirred up the town against Paul and Silas. They brought him to the middle of the city. And this is where we pick up our story. Acts chapter 16, verse 22 through 23. It says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Here's Paul out spreading the gospel living in the will of God, doing what God has called him to do, regardless of what happens, and he's wrongly accused. He's stripped of his clothing in front of the whole town, and he's beaten with large wooden rods severely. Now, if I'm Paul, I'm probably thinking, God, this is not fair. I'm doing what you call me to do. Aren't you supposed to protect me from this type of harm? I'm out here spreading your word. See, not only was it not fair that Paul was beaten, but he was also a Roman citizen. He, didn't, he was exempt from this specific type of punishment. Now, I hope there's no one in here who's been stripped and beaten like this, but I do know this. There are people here in this room who at one point or another, maybe even today, you've been stripped of your hope. You've been stripped of your hope in God. Maybe you feel a feeling of despair. Maybe you've been stripped of your faith in him. Maybe you used to have this really strong faith and you feel like the world has just kind of stripped this away from you. Like, I don't really know if God can do the things that he used to do. Or maybe you've been stripped of your trust in him. God, you know, I want to trust you, but all this stuff is happening in my life and in my family's life. I don't know if I can trust you anymore. Maybe you haven't been beaten with rods, but you've been beaten with words. Beaten with words of of people that have said things to you in your past or, or maybe your boss or a coworker. In this day, maybe you've been beaten with doubts. Man, is God really there? Maybe you've been beaten with discouragement. God, where are you? I don't see a way out of this. Where are you in my life? You see, Paul, he's out doing what God had called him to do, living in the will of God. But he was publicly and painfully beaten. And God did not protect him, God did not provide a miracle of protection for him when he could have. We read in the Bible, the Lord rescues the godly. He's a fortress in times of trouble. God could have sent a six foot five angel like Pastor Glenn to throw those guys off of Paul and Silas. He could have sent another angel that benches 275 pounds like Pastor Andrew to just rip those guys away. But he didn't. So, what did Paul do? I'll tell you what he didn't do. Paul didn't quit his small group, Paul didn't stop praying. Paul didn't stop going to church. Paul didn't stop listening to the joy of them and vowed only to listen to secular music because he was going to show God. Paul was thrown into prison and this is where we get to see his reaction towards God. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 26, it says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Think about that for a second. He's beaten, probably got all these wounds on him, shackled up, chains on his hands and feet, in the middle of prison, knows God could have saved him, but he didn't. Yet Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God, singing songs of praise to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly. Man, I love that we serve a God of suddenly. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. God did a miracle to protect Paul and Silas. Now, what is a miracle? We learned that last week. A miracle is not finding a parking spot at a busy day at the mall. A miracle is when God intervenes supernaturally here on earth, where he does something out of the natural world. And that's what God did in this situation. God freed Paul and Silas and these prisoners through a a miraculous sign through an earthquake. Now, what strikes me about this story is this. Paul didn't wait to worship until after the miracle Paul didn't wait to worship God until after God already set him free. Paul and Silas worshiped God before the miracle. The writer to Hebrews said to offer a sacrifice of praise to God. A sacrifice of praise is to praise God regardless of how you feel, regardless if God does things the way you want him to, regardless if you see him do the thing that you want him to, to praise God, to offer a sacrifice to him, to worship him, not for what he's done in your life, but for who he is. The savior of the world who became sin so that you and I can become the righteousness of God in him. That's why we worship God. That's why we praise God not because of the things that he does for us specifically in our life. We worship God when we feel like it, and we also worship God when we don't. We worship him for who he is, not what he does or doesn't do. Now, maybe you're here today, and you know, you're believing God for a miracle for something in your life. Maybe a family member, maybe you need protection from something. I want to encourage you, follow Paul's example. Take some time to praise God before he does anything. Take some time to praise him for who he is, for the simple fact that he is God and he made a way for us to be saved regardless of our past, regardless of the good or bad things that we do. He made a way for us. Praise him for who he is because long before you face a problem, God already has a plan for you in your life. In the middle of this prison, Around midnight, Paul and Silas are praising God, worshiping Him, and God shows up in an earthquake. He frees them, the doors fling open, the shackles fall off, the entire prison is free. Well, there's another character in this story it's the jailer who is in charge of watching them. This jailer wakes up, sees that the prison doors are open, and the Bible says that he decides he's going to end his life with his sword thinking, man, I'm just going to end my life right now before the governing authorities come here and find out that I let all these prisoners free. So as he's about to literally kill himself, Paul says, stop, we are all still here. The jailer, the Bible says, he starts trembling. He runs to Paul, he falls at his feet. He asks, what must I do to be saved? And Paul shares the gospel with him and he gives his life to Jesus right there. Now here's the best part. Not only did the jailer get saved, but he said, listen, you got to come with me. You got to tell my family about this. The jailer takes Paul and Silas to his family. They preach the gospel. His entire family gets saved on the spot and baptized right then and right there because that's what God does. That's what God does. Not only was Paul saved, but so was this jailer and his entire family. You see, the reason that God didn't protect Paul at first when it was obvious when he's being beaten, is because God wanted to protect the jailer and his family as well. You see, before Paul went to prison, God already had a plan. Before you face a problem, God already has a plan. In your notes, God often protects us in ways we don't understand. God often protects us in ways we don't understand, ways that we may never even see one thing that I absolutely despise is being in traffic. If you live around US 19, you have to commute on it during rush hour, you understand what I'm saying. Being in traffic is terrible, but the worst, one of the worst things about being in traffic is when you're already late for a meeting and you're thinking, man, I, I have enough time to get there, but all of a sudden this traffic hits for a random reason that doesn't happen. You get that anxious feeling like I'm gonna be late. I, I, what are people gonna think about me? Now, here's the thing that we have to remember. As followers of Jesus... You know, being late for tra- in, in traffic might actually be a blessing. You see, it might actually be that God is protecting you from something. Maybe someone's going to pull out in front of you. We have no idea. But what we do have to do is trust in the goodness of our God, that he's protecting us in every circumstance. Maybe you really wanted a specific job. You're qualified. You check all the boxes. You go to the interview. You feel like you interview well. You leave confident. And you get the call that you didn't get the job. Well, who knows? Maybe six months later, everyone in that job was going to be laid off. And God is protecting you. This is the type of faith that we have to have. And God is saying, you know what, regardless of what I want to go right in my life versus what doesn't, I know that God has a plan for my life. Because sometimes God's greatest gifts are actually unanswered prayers. Sometimes God's greatest gifts are the prayers that he doesn't answer. I remember when I was looking for a college to go to, I was 17 years old, uh, just giving my life to Jesus. And I'm thinking, you know what? I did really bad in high school, but I'm ready to, to move into this next season. I wanna go to a good college. I wanna get my life together. So I started applying to colleges and I wanted to go to uni- the University of South Florida specifically. Now, my friends were going there. I already had a roommate that I was gonna stay with and I put in my application and I got it back and I was denied. And I've been praying to God, like, God, I really wanted to do this. You know, I'm trying to get my life together. Why would you not let me go to this college? Well, here's what I didn't understand at that time that I know now. Is that instead of going to USF, I went to St. Petersburg College. I got to stay home. And here's the thing about that is I was close to this church. I was able to start serving in the youth ministry, giving them what I didn't have as a middle schooler. See, I was able to go to young adult group here at this church, and at that young adult group, I met my beautiful wife, Danica, who I've been married to for four years now. You see, I couldn't have done that without God. I, that's, none of those things would happen. I wouldn't be here today if God answered that prayer for me. But not only that, is Danica also has a similar story where she wanted to go to a specific college. God didn't answer her prayer. She went to SBC as well, and we got to spend some time together. You see, maybe for you, Praise God that he didn't let you marry that person that you really, really wanted to marry. That person you begged, God, please let this be the one. Looking back, thank God I did not marry that person. I see a lot of nodding heads. This is the truth. You see, as we get to know the goodness and faithfulness of God, as we spend time in his word, he convinces us that long before we face a problem, God already has a plan. In your notes... Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. You see, God delivered Paul from prison until God didn't. This was not the only time that Paul was arrested. Actually scholars believe he spent about five and a half to six years of his life in prison for serving Jesus. God broke him out when the time was right But God did not break him out when God had another eternal purpose. See, after his fifth missionary journey, he's thrown into prison again. And historians believe that at this point, he was tried by Emperor Nero, the Roman emperor. And he was found guilty of being faithful to Jesus. And he was actually beheaded for his faith. Now, here's the thing. God could have sent an earthquake again. God could have freed him. God could have done a million different things to free Paul, but he didn't. We look at the 10 other surviving disciples who also were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. God protected them a lot until he didn't. Sometimes God's eternal purpose is hard for us to wrap our earthly minds around. But here's the thing with God is God is outside of our earthly minds. God sees things that we can't see. Here on earth, we can see what's in front of us. We can see what we, what we can taste, feel, touch. God can see everything, past, present, future. He's weaving all of our stories together, and he promises that he will turn everything around for your good. His ways are higher, but he's also a loving God. He's also a good God who promises to, to protect his people. See, the Bible talks about a God who cares for you intimately. God doesn't just love the whole world. He does love the whole world, but he also loves you intimately. He talks about this. We can give it up for that for sure. He talks about this. You know that God has every single hair on your head numbered. Every single one. He knows the exact amount on your head. The Bible says that his thoughts for you are more than the sands in all the seashores. He says that every tear you've ever cried, he's caught in his bottle. That is a God who cares intimately and deeply for his people. And he is still good in the middle of the storms. Even when we go, th- go through things we don't understand, car accidents, financial struggle, divorce, do these things hurt? Yes. Do we grieve? Yes. Do they often feel devastating? Yes. But do we continue to trust God? Yes. Because we worship him not for what he does, but for who he is. We worship him for when we see him do everything we want. And we worship him when he doesn't do the things we think he should. We don't just worship him for what we see him do in our life. We worship him for who he is, the king of kings, the savior of the world, who's coming back one day for his bride, the church, to welcome us into eternity. So how does this change our life? How does this play out as we live following Jesus? What do we do? Every single day, we pray for divine protection for ourselves and our family and believers across the world. You see, Jesus teaches us. teaches us to pray like this. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Protect us. So that means that we are supposed to pray for God's miraculous protection. We pray for our spouse. We pray for protection for our marriage. We pray for our pastors. We pray for our friends. We pray for our kids. We ask that God would send angels to protect them, to protect them from temptation, that God would protect them from the lies of the enemy that wants to confuse them, that he'd protect them from the wrong friends like mine in high school. But also, here's a pretty pretty cool prayer to pray is pray that if they do stray away, that they would get caught early. Because sometimes not being protected from something leads to a much greater thing. I can't count how many times in my life God has protected me from something. But also so much that is good in me today is a result of what God did not protect me from. Many times the things that God does not protect us from are actually the things he uses to draw us closest to him. See, when my wife was 15 years old, she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. As a young 15-year-old girl, believer in Jesus, she was diagnosed with this cancer that had spread to her lymph nodes, and she probably felt extremely vulnerable in that time, thinking, you know, God, you didn't protect your your daughter from cancer. What What is the plan? What's the purpose in this? Well, you see, through her vulnerability, feeling like, man, my life could end, and and I need to get right with God, she actually drew closer to Jesus. She gave her life to him even more. She started to serve in her church. She started to get on fire for God because she knew, listen, God is the only one who can save me. Now, thank God she was able to have her thyroid removed and we're in remission to this day. We're still, nothing is happening. Praise God for that. Yeah, we can give it up for that for sure. And she's able to now go and talk at different Walk for Life events and raise money for cancer research. She's able to share her story with so many other children who are going through a similar thing and bring glory to God. Before you face a problem, God already has a plan. And sometimes this plan includes pain. So in your notes, we would rather hurt in his will than live in comfort outside of it. I would rather hurt in the will of God than live in comfort outside of his will because here's the thing, every single one of us will stand before God one day. Every single person that's ever lived and ever will live will stand before God one day. I'd rather stand before him knowing that I lived in his will and did the best I could regardless of my suffering than to say, you know, I lived a pretty comfortable life doing whatever I wanted to do. You see, Paul never said in prison, God, this isn't fair. God, I can't trust you. God, you didn't protect me. In prison, this is what he said. He said, You know, we rejoice in our suffering. Even if my life is to be poured out like a drink offering before the Lord, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. He also writes this not in prison. He says, delight in hardships, delight in persecutions, delight in difficulties, because when I am weak, then he is strong. He says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else. in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Through your breakups, through your breakdowns, through your losses, through your wins, through what you wanted to happen, through what you never wanted to happen, Romans 8, 28 says, God turns all of this for your good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's a promise from God to you. See, God never promises this life is going to be easy. But what he does promise is that no evil will snatch you away. John chapter 10 says he has you in the palm of his hands. You, your family, every other believer says no evil will snatch you away. He will protect you. Will bad things happen? Yes. Will difficult things happen? Yes. But he says, listen, I'm going to turn it all around for your good anyway. Every rough thing you go through, I'm actually going to turn it into a testimony so you can bless and help other people. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray out today? I just wanna pray for anyone in here who's just going through something. Maybe they're suffering in some way. Maybe they need the protection of God. So Lord Jesus, I ask right now that whatever prayer request is here in this room, God, you know them. You know who they are. You know what they're going through. You know everything about the situation. So, God, I ask you to commission angels regarding them. I ask you to bring divine protection. I ask you to break strongholds. I ask that you would bring miracles, Lord Jesus, that it would be a testament of who you are and what you've done, God. I ask that you would glorify yourself through answering these prayers today for whoever is in here and needs it, Lord Jesus. Now, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, you know, maybe you're here today and you think, you know, today's my day. I need to know Jesus. I need to know that if I were to die today, I would face him and be welcomed into eternity. That is available to you, not for anything you've done, not from who you are, good things or bad things you've done. It's simply by believing in the name of Jesus, believing he died for your sins. He actually took your sins on himself, died, buried them, rose again, free, pure, and has given you salvation if you simply receive it and believe in him. He'll make you a brand new person. He'll change the desires of your heart. You'll become a new creation. If that's you today and you say, you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to raise your hand on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Raise it up high all across this place. Amen. Tons of hands coming in the middle now. Amen. Coming over to my left. Amen. You guys can put your hands down. Now, for the sake of those people who are literally, God is doing a legitimate miracle in their life and in their heart right now. I need everybody here, please repeat this prayer for me. Everybody in this room, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I believe in you, and help me to live for you from here on out. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for God, everybody in this place? He's doing miracles. Good job. You appreciate Pastor Marcelo.
1: God's doing a work in the next generation, isn't He? Would you stand with me to receive a blessing of protection today? And if you're watching online and don't feel like standing, you can turn your palms upward just in an attitude of receiving. The Lord bless you with protection in your life with protection over your family, with protection over your loved ones. May he protect you from the evil one. May he protect you from harm. May he protect you from the companionship of fools. May he protect you from your own impulses. And may his purpose in you flourish like a tree planted by rivers of water. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I love you, church. Have a wonderful day.